as always. Great job this morning. What a powerful time of worship that was. I love singing about Jesus. And um, that's what true worship is all about. Can you say amen? How do you know he's the only one worthy of our worship? He's the only one worthy to be lifted up. And so I'm thankful that we have the opportunity and privilege as God's people to come and do that. I like singing about the God who saves. How do you know the God of the Bible is the God who saves? The, the God that we came to worship this morning is the one who can save our souls from hell, save us from sin. And so I'm so thankful uh, for that truth that's been sung this morning. And he's the God that saves because Jesus paid it all. And so uh, what, a, what a blessing that truly was. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 19. And I want to share with you this morning just a few things um, from God's Word, a very familiar story that I'm sure all of you are familiar with. Luke chapter 19 is the story of Zacchaeus. That was always one of my favorite uh, Bible stories concerning the life and ministry of Jesus when I was growing up. As a little boy, I loved Sunday school. Anybody else? Anybody else love Sunday school? I was so thankful for Sunday school. Sunday school was such a, uh, a, 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 a big part of my life. Listen, it was from Sunday school that the spark for me to uh, really look to and learn from the Word of God was lit. And, and that, that happened in Sunday school. And all of that is because I had some Sunday school teachers who were passionate about sharing the truth of God's Word. They passionately proclaimed God's truth. And man, when I saw how passionate they were about the truth of the Word of God, when I saw how passionate they were in serving Jesus, how faithful they were to the cause of Christ, that made me want to know what they knew. It made me want to know who they knew. And so I'm so thankful for Sunday school. But one of my absolute favorite stories was the story of Zacchaeus. And let me just say something to you, Sunday school teachers. I want you to know, listen to me, you are making a difference by the power of God if you choose to passionately proclaim God's truth. I want, to, I want to encourage you as your pastor. I want you to understand and know that you may not think those kids are listening to you, but I can promise you they're hearing a whole lot more uh, than what you think. I, I, I can say that from my own experience. I, those teachers that spoke into my life Sunday after Sunday, man, uh, laid the foundation for a life of faith. And I'm so very thankful for them. I'm so very thankful that they were proclaiming God's truth in a passionate way. And, and let me encourage you to keep doing that. Keep on keeping on sharing the truth of God's word. Teachers, you don't know, you may have pastors and missionaries sitting in your class. The next Billy Graham may be in your class. The next Lottie Moon may be in your class. And so keep passionately proclaiming the truth of the word of God and allow God the Holy Spirit to take that and use it in the hearts and lives uh, of, of your students. And so I'm so very thankful for that that was true for me. Man, I had teachers who passionately served the Lord faithfully, proclaimed the truth of God's word. And man, it made a difference in my life. And so I want you to know you're making a difference. Keep on keeping on. Keep on sharing God's truth because God's truth shared in the power of the Holy Spirit is still what's changing hearts and changing lives. Now, one story that I always loved learning about was the story of Zacchaeus. Man, that always spoke to me. And a lot of it was due to, there was a little, a cool little rhyme that we used to sing with that. Do you remember? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then came Jesus walking by and looked up in the tree. And what did he say? Zacchaeus, come down. 
For I'm going to your house today. Now, I love this story. I love the little cool little rhyme that we used to sing, but there's more to it than the cool little rhyme. I can promise you that. This is a deep, powerful, spiritual truth that you and I, we got to get a hold of this today. Man, what a blessing it is. So let's look together. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Today, I want to talk to you about a loving Savior, a short man in a tall tree. Look what it says. Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Everybody say he saw him. And said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I love that. Verse 6. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, That he has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation has come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you believe it, say amen today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture, Lord, what it teaches us. And Lord, I'm thankful that you have been with me in my time of preparation. And I ask that you now be with me in my time of presentation, that, Lord, you would speak to me, And speak through me your word to your people. God, I can do nothing and I want to do nothing apart from your power. So Holy Spirit, we're praying that you would have your way and your will in this place. Do your work that only you are capable of doing. Lord, if souls are going to be saved, you're going to have to save them. If lives are going to be changed, you're going to have to change them. If addictions are going to be broken, Lord, you're going to have to break them. You are able to do all things. And so Lord, we're trusting you this morning. That you would take your truth and apply it to our lives by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, to give you just a little story of who Zacchaeus is, the Bible said that he was a publican, and it tells us that he was rich. Now, what does that mean? A publican was a tax collector. It was a Jewish man who worked for the Roman government. Now, listen to me, folks. The publican, the tax collector, was really a turncoat against his people. The Romans were uh, occupying the land of Israel, and most of the Jews hated the Romans. The, the, the publicans were those who worked for the Roman government, and so Zacchaeus would have been hated by his own people. Uh, the, the Bible says that not only was he a tax collector, but he was rich. Let me tell you how he got rich. Listen, a publican was told by the Roman government how much taxes to, um, to take from the people. But then they said, you know what, this is what you have to give us. But anything you get over the taxes required, you can keep. And the Bible says that not only was Zacchaeus a publican, but he was a rich publican. Let me tell you how he got rich. He didn't get rich simply by the wages paid by the Roman government. He got rich by taking more taxes than was owed by his own people. And so for the Jewish people, I'm telling you, Zacchaeus was about as low down as they come. He was lower than a snake's belly and a wagon wheel track. That's what my grandpa used to say, and that always made sense to me. That's how they viewed Zacchaeus. He was a low down, dirty crook. He was a thief. 
thief. He had this sin of greed within his heart. And listen, he was willing to do whatever he could do to gain more for himself. That's Zacchaeus. But now listen to me, folks. What I really want us to see first and foremost, listen, is not just who Zacchaeus is, but who Jesus is. Let's talk about a loving Savior that's pictured here in Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter 19 gives us three thoughts that became crystal clear to Zacchaeus that must also become crystal clear to us if we're going to get a hold of this truth in this passage. First of all, Zacchaeus had to know, it had to be crystal clear to him that Jesus saw him. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse number 5. And when Jesus came to the place, watch what it says. He looked. Now what does it mean to look? Well, it means to put your eyes on somebody. And so when Jesus was walking by, he stopped there under the sycamore tree and he looked up. He put his eyes on Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had to know that Jesus saw him. Now let me say something to you folks. Jesus saw Zacchaeus, but Jesus also sees us. He sees where we're at this morning. He sees what we're doing this morning. He also saw what we did last night, what we did last week, what we did last month. Jesus saw, sees us just like he saw Zacchaeus for who we really are. Now, I've told you this uh, time and time again. I'm going to keep telling you. How do you know I can hide from you and you can hide from me, but none of us can hide from Jesus? Why? Because he sees. He sees us just like he saw Zacchaeus. If you believe it, say amen. Not only did Zacchaeus, it become crystal clear to him that Jesus saw him, but it also became clear to Zacchaeus, listen, that Jesus knew him. Look there at verse number five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. So Jesus looking up in the tree called him by name. He knew who Zacchaeus really was. Just like he knows who Israel is. Just like he knows who you are. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows my failures. Jesus knows my successes. Jesus knows my good points. Jesus knows my bad points. Jesus knows my hang-ups. Jesus knows my insecurities. Jesus knows everything about me. And Jesus knows everything about you. Each and every one of us. Now listen to me, folks. Not only did he see Zacchaeus, he also sees us. Not only did he know Zacchaeus, he also knows us. But let me tell you something else. Not only did he see Zacchaeus... And he knows Zacchaeus, but listen, he wanted Zacchaeus. He wanted Zacchaeus. Watch this. And he saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. Let me tell you the good thing about God. Let me tell you about the amazing grace of God that we've already sang about this morning. Listen to me, folks. Jesus knows everything about me, the good points, the bad points, and everything in between, yet he still wants me. And he still wants you. And this just absolutely amazes me. Let me tell you why that amazes me. Because I can full well understand why I would want to know Jesus. Jesus is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. The Bible says the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who holds the preeminence. Listen, I understand why I would want to know him, this big, amazing, omnipotent God. But what amazes me is that this big, amazing, omnipotent God wants to know me. And he wants to know you. And, and the truth, who are we really? We're just one in seven billion people upon the face of this planet. But the Bible teaches plainly that Jesus wants to know you. He don't need you. Amen. And you don't need me. 
But the truth is he wants us. He wants us to be a part of his family. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom. He wants us to live with him for an eternity. This is an amazing truth. He wanted Zacchaeus. He wants us. Let me prove it to you. Take your Bibles. Look with me over in 2 Peter chapter 3. Keep your place there in Luke chapter 19. And, and let's see what 2 Peter 3 tells us. Now, if you haven't already underlined this verse, let me encourage you to do so. 2 Peter chapter 3, and look down with me this morning at verse number 9. 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. See, God wants no one to perish. To perish means to spend an eternity separated from God. And so the Bible tells us it's not the will of God that anybody spends an eternity apart from God. He don't want anybody to die and go to a devil's hell. He don't want that for me. He don't want that for you. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom, a part of his family. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. God wants you. Matter of fact, he wanted you so much. Listen to me now. He wanted you so much, he tasted death even for you. Hebrews 2 and 9 says it like this. He tasted death for every man. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin so that he might know us, so that we might know him, so that we might have a personal relationship. There's something you need to see about this loving Savior. He saw Zacchaeus and he sees us. He knew Zacchaeus and he knows us. He wanted Zacchaeus. And listen to me, folks. He wants us. Isn't that amazing? That's the loving Savior. Now this morning, I don't want to talk to you about a loving Savior. I want to talk to you about a short man. Now this short man in the Bible that uh, the Bible talks about here in Luke chapter 19 is the man Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, listen, he came to know Jesus in a personal way that changed his life. Let's go back to Luke chapter 19. And the, there's three things that I want you to see about the faith of Zacchaeus. First of all, the faith of Zacchaeus was an intellectual faith. Look what the Bible says there. In verse number 3, the Bible says, And he sought to see Jesus, watch this, who he was. Now, I think probably the, most, the three most powerful uh, words in all of this passage of Scripture that we've looked at in these ten verses is who he was. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Zacchaeus didn't want to just get a glimpse of Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't want to only see him with his physical eyes. But Zacchaeus truly wanted to know who Jesus was. He wanted to know the truth of Jesus. Amen. Let me say something to you folks. If we're going to have a life-changing, eternity-changing faith, first of all, it needs to be an intellectual faith. We need to know who Jesus is. So who is Jesus? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible says that Jesus holds the preeminence, that all things were created by him and all things were created for him, Colossians 1.6. The Bible says that, listen to me now, Jesus is the centerpiece of all creation. Can you say amen? Jesus is the one who split time, B.C. and A.D. Jesus is King of Kings. Jesus is Lord. If you believe that, say that with me this morning. Jesus is Lord. And if there's one thing that I want all of us to get in what Zacchaeus got about Jesus is that Jesus is Lord. 
He's Lord. He's master. He's the ruler. Let me prove that to you. I want you to make, I want to make sure that this morning you see what I'm telling you is not something I've come up with, but what God's word teaches. Look what it says in Acts chapter number 2, just a moment. Go over there with me. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 36. What's the Bible say about Jesus? Watch this. Acts 2.36, Peter preaching here about the Lord Jesus. He says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, Assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, watch this now, to be both Lord and Christ. So who is Jesus? Say it again, church. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. Not only does it say it there, but it also says it over in Romans chapter number 14. Let's flip over there and let me share something with you. Romans chapter 14. Look down with me, if you will, please, at verse number 9. The Bible says concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord. Everybody say Lord. Both of the dead and the living. So Jesus is Lord. That's who Zacchaeus intellectually came to know Jesus as. He knew him as Lord. He knew him as ruler. He knew him as master. And folks, if you're going to know Jesus, let me say something to you. You're going to have to know him as Lord. If you're going to accept Jesus, you're going to have to accept him as Lord. Romans 10 and 9, we all know that scripture. We all know that verse. Uh, the, 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 we, we use it in our evangelical uh, pursuits. When we go and share the gospel, we tell people Romans 10 and 9. What's it say? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. So what's it saying? You've got to confess Jesus as Lord, as master, as ruler. And thou shalt believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Now, you said, Brother Israel, why is this important? Well, it's of vital importance. Let me tell you why. I hear people say all the time that, you know, so-and-so has accepted Jesus as Savior, but he's not accepted Jesus as Lord. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That's not even biblical. See, you can't have what Jesus does if you don't accept who he is. Amen? If we're really going to have a life-changing, eternity-changing faith, you've got to trust Jesus, confess Jesus as Lord of your life. He's got to be the one who calls the shots. He's got to be your ruler. He's got to be your master. Listen, it's no longer about what you want or what you say or what you plan. Listen, now if you've been bought, born again by the precious blood of Jesus, listen to me, folks. It's what he says, what he wants, what his plan is. We must submit to the Lordship of Jesus if we're going to have a life-changing, life-saving faith. It's more than just praying a prayer and signing a card. It's more than just going through a baptistry. Not that those things are bad things, they're not. But listen, to truly have faith in Christ means you submit to His Lordship. You repent of your sins and you turn toward Jesus. That's got to be true for all of us who claim the name of Christ.
it's got to be submission to his lordship. But now listen, listen to me, folks. I want you to know, not only should it be submission to his lordship, but when you submit to the lordship of Jesus, then he becomes owner of you and everything you have. Take your Bibles, look with me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 20. Watch this. For ye, meaning the believer, those who have trusted in Christ, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, watch this now, which are God's. Once you've trusted in Jesus, once you've submitted to His Lordship, He, is, he now owns you. The Bible says that the heavens are His throne, the earth is His footstool. The Bible says that all the fullness of the earth belongs to the Lord. That means you and me and everything else belongs to Him. Especially for the child of God. That's especially true for us. Why? Because we have been bought with a price, the Bible says. I've told you this before. I'm going to keep telling you. I've got to keep saying this. Listen to me, folks. We need to know it. We need to get a hold of it. Salvation has always been free. It's a gift given to those who receive it by grace through faith. It's always been free. But it's never been cheap. Salvation costs the blood of the Son of God and God the Son. Your sin debt was paid for, my sin debt was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Just like we sang about a moment ago, He paid it all. All to Him owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's about submitting to His Lordship, but it's also about ownership of your life and all you possess. Amen? And we're going to see in a moment that's exactly what happened with Zacchaeus. If you remember Luke chapter 19, the Bible said that Zacchaeus, after he had uh, accepted the Lord, he said that everything, that he half of his goods, he's going to give to the poor. And if he's taken anything from any man by false accusation, he'll restore him fourfold. That don't sound like a greedy publican. That sounds a whole lot like Jesus. Why? Because now Jesus was Lord of his life. Zacchaeus said, oh, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything I've got. To meet the, the, the needs of those who are needy. And if I've wronged anybody, if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to restore not just once, but fourfold. He realized he was submitted to the lordship of Jesus, but also Jesus owned him and everything he had. And the same is true for us, or should be if we've truly submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Amen? Zacchaeus was willing to give the money that he had loved because now he loved the Savior and loved others more than his money. Amen? 
I don't know what some people think. I, I talked to you uh, two weeks ago about giving by grace and what that meant for the child of God. And I hear that uh, I've heard it time upon time. Well, Brother Israel, I don't think you ought to preach on Monday. You ought to sort of preach the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. If I preach the Bible, I've got to preach on Monday. Let me give you some statistics about money throughout the Gospels, throughout the Word of God, throughout the preaching of teaching of Jesus. Do you know that in the Gospels, the four Gospels, one out of every six verses deal with men's relationship to their wealth? One out of every six verses, that's amazing to me. I never would have dreamed that. In the parables that Jesus preached, 16 of the 38 parables Jesus taught, he dealt with man's relationship to his money or to his wealth. So if I'm going to preach the Bible, if I'm going to preach the gospel message, I've got to preach about money. Matter of fact, Jesus said a whole lot more about money than he ever said about heaven or hell. You know what he said about money? He said that where your treasure is, what, what did he say? There your heart will be also. Why was Zacchaeus, who was willing to cheat people out of their money before he met Jesus, how is it possible that now he's willing to give half of everything he owns and, and restore fourfold of those he had wronged? How is that possible? I'll tell you how. Because now he submitted to the lordship of Jesus and he realized that he belongs to the Lord and everything he has belongs to the Lord. That tenth that God has called you and I to give, that belongs to Jesus. But guess what? The other ninety does too. And as God's people... If we've truly submitted to the Lordship, we must live our lives with an open hand. And as God gives to us, we realize we become a conduit through which the blessing of God flows. And when I live life with an open hand, as God puts into my hand and I freely give, as God directs me to do so, God can continually bless others through my life. But that only happens when we submit to his lordship and realize his ownership of us and all that we possess. Amen. Zacchaeus had a right kind of faith because he trusted Jesus as Lord, as master, as ruler. He had an intellectual faith, but let me tell you something else. He also had an experiential faith. What, is I, what I mean by when I say experiential faith? You know, there's a lot of people who believe all the facts and figures about Jesus. They have an intellectual faith. They got it right that Jesus is Lord, that he did die for their sins, that he uh, did all the things that the Bible said he did. And, and they believe that with their head, but they've never yet experienced a life-changing relationship that only comes when they place their faith in Christ. Amen? Do you know it's possible to know the plan of salvation and still go to hell? Listen, because you or I, we're not saved by the plan of salvation. We're saved by the man of salvation. I'm talking about there must be a time in your life when God the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and shows you your need for a Savior. There must be a time in your life where, listen, you fall down hopeless and helpless at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Lord, save me. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When that truly happened with me, when I really got serious with God, He got serious 
with me. And he changed me on the inside that's made a difference on the outside. For a long time, I knew the plan of salvation, but I didn't know the man of salvation. And all I was really doing was just going through the motions. I knew all the facts and figures. I'd been to the Sunday school classes. I'd, I'd listened to the sermons. I, hey, I'd even prayed to a lot of the prayers, but listen to me. I did not know the Lord. It's more about, it's more than just having a, a, an intellectual faith. It must be an experiential faith. Have you experienced the life-changing power that comes when you place your faith in Jesus as Savior? Do you know the peace of God that passeth all understanding? I'm going to tell you something. When I placed my faith in Christ, peace came into my heart and has not left. I'm not saying I don't have trouble. I'm not saying I don't struggle with temptation. I'm not saying I don't I have all the things that everybody else has happen to me because I do, but I can tell you this. I still know the peace of God. Why? Because I know the Prince of Peace. Amen? The Bible says Zacchaeus came down from the tree, submitted to the lordship of Jesus. He met the Lord under the sycamore tree. Have you met the Lord? Have you truly submitted to the lordship of Christ? It's not enough just to believe the facts and the figures. It's not enough just to have an intellectual faith. That's important. But listen, you need to have an experiential faith. Have you experienced the life-changing power of God? James chapter 2 and verse number 9 says that the demons, the devils themselves, believe and they tremble. See, the demons, they have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but they've never placed their faith in Him as Savior. And the same can be true for a whole lot of people. Dr. Vance Havner once said that most of the church are baptized pagans. They honor Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. True salvation comes from submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. Realizing, listen to me now, that He owns you and everything you have. But it's also about complete obedience to what God calls you to do. You say, brothers, was everybody, are you perfect? No, I'm not perfect in that. You're not either. That's why we all need God's grace. Amen. I do, you do, we all do. We need God's grace and mercy daily. But Zacchaeus was willing to be obedient to whatever Jesus wanted because he had submitted to his lordship. And he said, Lord, whatever I've got is yours. However I can help others, I'm going to help them. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give them back what I've wronged them fourfold. Sounds a whole lot like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Zacchaeus had an intellectual faith, but he also had experiential faith where he met the Lord. He trusted in, in Christ as his Lord. When you trust in who he is, you get what he does. He is Lord and He does save. You trust in Him as Lord, He becomes your Savior. Amen. That's what happened with Zacchaeus. 
He had an intellectual faith. He had an experiential faith, but he also had a transforming faith. It changed him. Listen to me, folks. Nobody in the Bible who meets Jesus are the same after they meet Jesus as they were before they met Jesus. He makes a change in your life. You say, well, brothers, I wasn't that bad a guy before I met Jesus. Well, by man's standard, maybe you wouldn't. But I'll tell you what Jesus will do. He'll make the bad good and the good better. There'll be a change. There'll be a change. That's what happened with Zacchaeus because he trusted in the Lord. Jesus made a difference in his life. It was a transforming faith. So we've looked at the loving Savior. We've looked at the short man. Now let's look at the tall tree. Now listen to me, folks. The sycamore tree that would have been big enough for Zacchaeus to climb in had to, in, had to have been planted many years before Jesus walked that way. Long before Zacchaeus would ever know his need for a Savior, and long before Jesus would ever walk the path, the tree was planted. God met the need that Zacchaeus would in the future have long before he even knew he needed it. Let me tell you something. It's no accident that the tree was there so Zacchaeus could climb up. Jesus could see him and change his life. It was no accident. God had all that planned out long before the, 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 the two of them ever met. <laughs> now let me say something to you. I believe this with all my heart. It's no accident that you're here today. It's not. God has you here by his sovereign will to give you his truth so that your life and my life might be changed by it. If you're here today, and maybe you have that intellectual faith, you know all the facts and figures, but there's never been a time when you've experienced the life-changing power of God. Maybe today is the day. I know I forget a few years ago, and Julie, I'm by no means trying to put you on a pedestal or, or, or anything like that. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I remember something that happened with Julie just a few years ago. She came over to my house one Sunday evening, and she said, Brother Israel, I want to get baptized. Well, I, I, I kind of questioned that. I, I thought, well, why do you need to be baptized? I, from everything I knew, I thought she'd already trusted in the Lord. She was faithful in church, man. She was working in the church. and God was using her. And, and I thought, well, hey, everything's good there. But then she comes and said, I wanted to be, she said, she truly trusted in Jesus. After many years of having that intellectual faith, then she had that experiential faith, that experience with the Lord that truly changed her heart and changed her life. I remember years ago I was pastor of a church down in Lamar County and, and uh, the first revival service we had, our young adult Sunday school, Sunday school teacher came up and got saved. And if there was anybody in the church that I thought would have been saved, I would have said, hey, that brother right there knows the Lord. But, he, but I'll never forget what he said when he stood up and testified that night after having trusted in the Lord. He said, you know what, for a long time, I knew I didn't have what I needed. I could see it in other people's lives, but I knew something was missing with me. I'd heard the stories. 
I'd walked an aisle. I'd been baptized. But I did not know the peace of God. But when he experienced the life-changing power of God that night, by grace through faith, everything changed. It transformed his life. Dr. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers, always said that a lot of people is going to miss hell, or excuse me, miss heaven and, and go to hell by about 18 inches. That's the distance between their head and their heart. To truly be changed by the power of God, it's more than just a mental ascent to the gospel. It's more than just having a head knowledge. Have you experienced the life-changing power of God? That's my question to you. Listen to me, folks. If not, God planted this tree a long time ago. <laughs> and God brought you to this place right now, right here today for the purpose of speaking to your heart and speaking to your life. If you need the Lord today, would you come? Let me say one more thing about the tall tree. Listen to me. Zacchaeus needed the tall tree because all the followers of Jesus were crowded around him. L let me prove it to you. Luke chapter 18, verse number 35, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as he, meaning Jesus, was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. So to get the picture, you need to see that Jesus was out preaching the truth of the kingdom of God. Jesus was out healing people. And because people wanted to hear the truth, and because people wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next, a lot of people gathered around him. They were following him wherever he went. There was a great multitude all gathered around Christ. And so the followers of Jesus being gathered around the Lord kept Zacchaeus from seeing the Savior. And let me tell you something. A lot of times what happens as believers, if we're not careful, we can keep people from seeing Jesus when we choose not to follow Him the way He has called us to follow Him. When we choose to do our own thing and go our own way, when we choose to be disobedient instead of being obedient to, to what the Lord has said, we can keep others from seeing Jesus. And I never want that to be said of me. How about you? So if you're here today and you are a believer, are people seeing Jesus because of you? Or are you keeping people from seeing Jesus because of the life you live in? Today, I don't know what God spoke to your heart. I know what he's spoken to mine. And I'm so very thankful. The same grace that was available for Zacchaeus is available for me. And it's available for you. It's available for you. Would you receive what God has for you? If you've not yet been born again, today's the day. Like I said, it's no accident you're here. God brought you to this place, to this moment, to this crossroads for a reason. If you are a believer, are you keeping people from seeing Christ? That should never be said of a child of God. Listen to me. The grace that saves is the grace that keeps.
God hadn't given up on you. Believer, God loves you. Let's get your heart right and be about the business of the Lord. Whatever you need today, you come. Everybody stand together.